0: we are recording.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Double Down, a WNBA podcast. My name is Eric Nemchak, alongside my good buddy, my good pal, Steven Trinkwald. We are rolling right along with our season previews, season recaps, whatever you want to call them. Uh, We're still going in alphabetical order. We're going with the Seattle Storm this week. And uh, Steven, this is a team that last season, uh, they kind of fell off a little bit, but understandably so because they were working somewhat handicapped
0: yeah i mean they were obviously limited in their personnel compared to the previous season when they were uh you know the best team in the league the WNBA champions missing brianna stewart and sue bird in 2019 uh but they were still pretty good
1: they were still pretty good i mean i i would say you know they were 18 and 16 tied for sixth place in the league net rating seventh at negative 0.2 points so that's that's like about about even about average i'd say Offensively, they were ninth, so not great. 96.2 points scored per 100 possessions. Defensively, though, they were pretty good. They ranked fourth, 96.4 points allowed per 100 possessions. They defeated the Minnesota Lynx in the first round, and then they got kind of destroyed by the LA Sparks in the second round. But all things considered, I would say 2019 was a, you know, I, the Seattle Storm, I think they were okay, right? They're okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay is probably a good way to describe them. You know, they were fine. Um, You're def- definitely not the juggernaut from the season before uh as you mentioned that's very understandable given kind of the personnel that they were working with uh comparatively so and you know they were still a pretty formidable team defensively you know offensively is kind of where they really took a step back um from you know the best offense in the league uh the year they won the title to ninth last year and a big part of that uh as we talk about so frequently uh came in transition they were second in transition frequency and number one in efficiency in 2018. And then they dropped to ninth in frequency uh, last season and fourth in efficiency. So still pretty good when they got out and ran, but just, you know, not able to get out in the open court as, as often as they did the prior year. And, you know, a lot of that was missing Sue bird. Uh, She was only in the 20th percentile in her own offense in 2018, but 98th percentile overall, including passing and was in the top 15 or so in total, possessions in transition and then of course the MVP Brianna Stewart was in the 92nd percentile in 2018 in transition and she was the best overall offensive player in the league that season where she won her MVP and then aside from those two players missing I think the biggest player who you know who kind of felt those absences the most was Jewel Lloyd really kind of a a down year overall offensively compared to where she had been and specifically in transition went from being in the 93rd percentile on the highest volume on the team, almost 22% of her possessions, at least in her own individual offense to still pretty effective 90th percentile, you know, when she got out and ran, but only 12% of her possessions there. So, so 10% less getting in transition in 2019 compared to 2018. So, you know, overall kind of, despite, you know, what you might think with a point guard like Jordan Canada, you still have Natasha Howard there. Um, I was a little surprised to see such a dip in frequency from them offensively. And we can kind of talk a little bit about the rest of what that offensive season looked like for them last year. They went from fourth in assist percentage, a team that really, you know, played the beautiful game in 2018 for sure to eighth last season. Uh, They were ninth in frequency around the basket, although they finished pretty well, fourth in percentage. They had the second highest turnover percentage and second highest steal percentage by opponents. So they really gave opponents the opportunity to get out on the open floor, and that—that's something we'll talk about in a minute with their defense. Uh, they still put up a ton of threes, second in the league in three-point attempt rate, but they did not get to the line at all, tied for second lowest free throw attempt rate. So those are some of the areas that, you know, maybe they—you uh, saw the big difference in in their personnel offensively.
1: You know, I have to echo your sentiment on being a little surprised by the, by the transition uh, stuff because Jewel Lloyd and Jordan Canada, I would say that's a backcourt that's tailor-made to get out and run at every opportunity. And uh, like Canada in particular, really fast, really explosive, very dynamic player on both ends of the court. She does have her flaws, obviously, but uh, that's, that, that's a player I think, you know, you, you'd say, okay, when, when this point guard is on the floor running our offense, we want to get out and push the ball. But uh, I guess that didn't really happen as much. Uh, and as for Jewel Lloyd, what do you attribute that to? I mean, obviously missing Sue Bird is, is a big problem for a, for an off guard to play with. But uh, do you think Brianna Stewart's absence really affected Jewel Lloyd a lot in this sense?
0: I think so in some ways. You know, it was kind of just a weird year, I think, for Jewel Lloyd overall. You know, she had stretches over the course of the season where, you know, she just couldn't hit anything, had some other stretches where, she was the jeweloid of old, had some stretches where she was hurt and didn't play. Um, and I, you know, I think over the course of the season, that decrease in floor spacing where, you know, you did always have a, a traditional big in the paint, you know, at least with the starters and Mercedes Russell there, who we'll, we'll get to later on, kind of from an overall standpoint, you know, I think it just kind of affected her game a little bit. She wasn't qu- able to quite get into the the paint as much. She got to the rim. Less Last season finished much worse when she got there. You know, she went from being a 67% finisher on 21% frequency in 2018 to a 50% finisher on 17% frequency. So considerably worse in in both categories. And, you know, she just relied a lot more on two-point jump shooting in 2019. Um, And she was a lot better at it last year, to her credit. You know, she was up to 43% shooting on, you know, that area 10 feet to the three-point line. 43% 43% shooting up from 33% shooting the prior season, but that 10% in field goal percentage was offset by also having a 10% in increase in frequency. You know, those are just not great shots. Uh, she had a much lower three point attempt rate last season. I mentioned getting to the the rim less that also resulted in, in a dip in her free throw attempt rate. So, you know, in a lot of ways, Natasha Howard maybe had the season that folks were expecting from Jewel Lloyd kind of, bearing that increased creation burden in a lot of ways and was able to sort of sustain it a little bit more than Jewel Lloyd did. But hopefully this is something that we might talk about later, but, you know, hopefully she's still able to kind of have a hold on her spot in like the closing five uh, in a a very competitive backcourt situation.
1: Well, you mentioned Natasha Howard here and she had a tremendous season. She was in, she was in the conversation for MVP for a little while, uh, obviously that, didn't, uh, she didn't get that, but she did win Defensive Player of the Year. She improved tremendously as far as like volume statistics are, are concerned, uh, and she really established herself as one of the premier frontcourt players in the league. Although, albeit on a kind of a different role, her efficiency did drop a little bit, but I, like defensively, she was absolutely outstanding.
0: Yeah, let me maybe just go through the team defense stuff, and then we'll kind of go into how Natasha Howard really played okay. into it because you know she was in a lot of ways, um, the fulcrum point of their defensive system. They were second in transition frequency allowed. Uh, You know, I kind of alluded to that before, talking about all the live ball turnovers they uh, surrendered. They were second highest field goal percentage within five feet, but allowed the fourth lowest frequency. So playing with those two traditional bigs, uh, Mercedes Russell and Natasha Howard, Russell a little bit more, I guess, of a a paint-bound player than, you know, what Brianna Stewart gives them defensively also a great defender, but you know, no surprise here. They were first in steal rate, both Jordan Canada and Natasha Howard were in the top three in steel percentage, second overall in, in, forcing turnovers. And, you know, they just run a very aggressive system. You know, they want to trap you up high. They want to double team uh, particularly in the post, particularly when it's a player, maybe that's a very talented, you know, a Brittany Griner type who's really has a size advantage over one of their uh, post defenders. Um, and, and they run a very switchy defensive scheme. They, they're all over the place. You know, they really like to kind of scram teammates and, you know, they're, they're just flying all over the place. So they were number one defending post-ups uh, and had the third highest frequency. I would describe Mercedes Russell, who we'll talk about a little bit later as uh, good, not great there. Howard and Langhorn were both pretty solid. You know, with regards to post defense, you know, if you're a wing, if you're a guard, if you're even like a non-dominant power forward, like don't try and post up Alicia Clark. Like it's just not going to work. <laughs> she was in the 93rd percentile defending post-ups and she's one of those players where I feel like you know if you have like some traditional height on her maybe they're going to try to take you down there but it's just not going to work don't do it um they were number one in terms of guarding the pick and roll ball handler in 12th in frequency by a lot you know teams just don't want to run pick and rolls against Jordan Canada seems very clear number two in guarding the pick and roll roller so really just you know, when those two players, Canada and Howard, are, are on the floor, like that's just a dynamite defensive combination. So let, let's talk about Howard a little bit more as you had sort of started to before I kind of took a step back. And, you know, you mentioned it. She she really took off as like a, a primary creator, you know, was in a lot of ways their like fourth or fifth option the season before, maybe like their fourth option in their championship season. And, you know, she had a huge jump in usage over the course of last season, 22% on a much more balanced roster. Obviously, in 2018, close to 30% last year, third in the league. I don't know if anybody saw that coming from Natasha Howard coming into 2019. But of course, that increase in usage did come with a, a pretty considerable drop in efficiency. She went all the way down to 5.23 in true shooting, which is you know still above average, still admirable to be sure. But you know she was 6.15 in 2018 you know, really kind of evolved as a playmaker as well. You know, more than doubled her assist percentage last year from the previous season. And she she was their go-to player last year. And she was the on-off monster across the league. Like her her on-off differential compared to everybody else was like laughable almost. So overall, like, did you have any other thoughts on Natasha Howard's season last year that you wanted to get to?
1: Like I watched Natasha Howard play and I just think, man, that's a player I want on my team because she she fits like this this modern idea of what you want a front court player to be, you know, you don't need your post player, your front court player, your bigger, whatever you want to label them as. You don't need them to be huge. You don't need it to be a huge back to the basket player. Although Natasha Howard is very skilled in the post as well. I mean, she's long, she's explosive. She's got skill. She can face up. She can post up. She gives you like a little bit of everything on offense. Um, you know, she can use either hand, I feel like, and then defensively, you 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 said it. You know, like there's a reason why Seattle was so good defending the pick and roll. Like she will, she and Jordan Canada together. I feel like that is an absolute terror to try to run ball screens versus because she can switch everything. She's got those long arms. She can, you know, she basically just blows up any ball screen action along with Jordan Canada, who is extremely tenacious on the on, on defense. Um, if there's one word I could say for it, so yeah. I, I mean, I feel like Natasha Howard. She's maybe not. A number one primary offensive player, like on a good team, but as a complementary player alongside a Brianna Stewart or a Sue Bird or something like that, you'd be hard pressed to find a better fit for anyone for, for like basically any other post player in the league because she can, she can just fit within any scheme, you know?
0: Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. Like she pretty much has every skill that you would want from um, a big, like she can roll on the pick and roll. She can pop on the pick and roll. She can space the floor off ball. You know, she's not an amazing shooter by any means, but she's at least a credible one out there. She can create for herself off the dribble. She can uh, score from the post. You know, I did mention before, she's like evolving a little bit as a playmaker, at least, you know, she can defend the rim down low. She can guard on the perimeter. You know, she's excellent in help defense. She's excellent on one-on-one defense. Like what, what more could you possibly ask for a center or a power forward. And, you know, I do think she is very effective as a help defender, but she's also maybe the player I would want most guarding Elena Deladon. Like I was watching some games between them kind of studying for this team. And, you know, she has the length strength and athleticism to, you know, play up on that really high release that Elena Deladon has uh, on her jump shot and, but not get blown by like a lot of other players will. And, you know, obviously that's one player, but arguably the best player in the league. So other bigs, you know, Brittany Griner, Grinder was an absolute problem for her, like for sure in that uh, 2018 semifinals, like Grinder was getting whatever she wanted when they were trying to single cover her. But yeah, she's she's an amazing player. Like, and I think I'm excited to see her with less of uh, a burden on her from a creation standpoint, but also, you know, kind of interested that, you know, now that she's sort of had that taste of, of kind of superstardom from like being the, the go-to player on, you know, an every play basis almost, like how is she going to adjust uh, with a little bit less of a role
1: right I mean that's it a, that's that's a legitimate question man uh, last time she uh, she was the fourth or fifth option they won a championship and she won most improved player but uh, I, I think I think it can only be good for them right because you got to figure with Brianna Stewart and Subert coming back you know they've had a lot of time off right and they may not be I don't I don't want to use the word rusty but um, they may not be totally in the swing of things 100% right away so with Natasha Howard you do have that player who now is used to being that primary option. And as we've been saying, like, she can just do so many things for you. I feel like she can make a fairly seamless transition from being that go-to player to maybe someone who's playing, you know, more as a pick and roller or more as just like a like a back to the basket kind of player, like a third or fourth option. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see it.
0: Yeah, and I'm not saying that this is particularly likely, but if Brianna Stewart isn't necessarily the complete package that she was before injury and she kind of does have to take a more complementary role as like a floor spacer and almost like a, a secondary big player, you know, she definitely has the skill set to do that and and kind of give Natasha Howard more of a, you know, creation burden in terms of being the the focal point as uh, as a team's like go-to big. Um, hopefully that's not the case. And, and, you know, Seattle might be in trouble if it is, but yeah, you know, there's worse situations you could be in for sure. But let's, let's talk about one of, you know, kind of the the breakout players from the storms moderate success last year. Do you want to go to Jordan Canada or Mercedes Russell?
1: Let's just stick with Jordan Canada because we, we've already mentioned her a couple of times. Um, obviously with Sue Bird missing the season, she, she, she set out uh, Jordan Canada was kind of thrust into this starting point guard role. And I was, very, very interested to see what Jordan Canada would do because she's like kind of uh, the polar opposite of Sue Bird in that she is she's just a demon defensively. She will get after it on every single darn possession. Offensively, she can make some explosive plays. She can make some not so smart plays. In theory, you know, she'd be an excellent transition player because she's so fast. Uh, she's got this very very unique finishing ability for a point guard. She's, she's, she's very small, but you know, some of these finishes, these crazy finishes at the basket, she, she gets, you know, you figure like, how does she even get that shot up? Let alone how she even gets to go in. I I think offensively, she was kind of give and take a little bit because, you know, like as a jump shooter, she was not good at all. Um, And honestly, her, her pick and roll ball handler numbers weren't that great either, which I was kind of surprised at. but defensively, I mean, man, she was a monster. She, you, you did not want to see Jordan Canada, on you in any situation
0: yeah she was you know for all intents and purposes the best pick and roll defender in the league last year the only player ahead of her from an efficiency standpoint was a player we talked about last week nia coffee but you know coffee had a third of the possessions Canada did she was you know out there guarding pick and rolls uh on you know an every play basis uh, as a regular starter she is just a monster creating turnovers uh led the league last year with over a four percent steal rate that's pretty insane she She's very savvy in terms of going to get the basketball, you know, that kind of leads to her, I think uh, some areas of opportunity in terms of, you know, being an off ball defender. She was only in the 10th percentile defending spot ups, but that makes sense because when she's guarding off the ball, like she's going to try and create a turnover, whether it's digging in the post or jumping a passing lane, you know, she wants to wreak havoc and, and Seattle wants to wreak havoc as, as their defense, you know, it's not like she's just kind of playing rogue out there, you know, she is playing within their, their system, but. You know, that's just kind of part of the give and take offensively. You mentioned it, not so encouraging. I mean, encouraging is the right word because it is encouraging in a lot of ways, but last year did not have very good results. Uh, definitely, you know, bel- was well below average in her efficiency. And it's not just the three point shot where she was only eight for 43. You know, it's the two point jump shots as well. She took 30% of her shots from 10 feet to the three point line. Uh, I'm sorry, she took 34% of her shots from 10 feet to the three point line and only shot 30% of them. So that's a shot that she liked to go to a little bit more than I was comfortable with and didn't really hit them. But you mentioned it. She is a really good finisher around the basket, particularly for someone of her size. You know, she was only in the 51st percentile finisher on the basket in the half court, you know, on non post ups or whatever. But she got there on really good volume and there were really only two other like lead guards in her neighborhood or better in terms of like the combination of volume and efficiency and that was natasha cloud and courtney vandersloot two very talented guards who i would say were playing with you know a lot better balanced floor spacing, you know? So um, in terms of getting to the basket, you know, she was doing a a little bit of the same with less, I I would say in terms like surrounding her 61% shooting overall from within five feet on 37% frequency. Like those are very promising figures to be sure, but you know, more so than even just like her statistical, you know, profile as a jump shooter, you know, teams were just willing to ignore her. You know, this is something we talk about all the time. Like if you are not being guarded it, it kind of doesn't really matter like what your shooting percentage is because you know you're only going to take x amount of shots a game but they're going to not guard you the rest of the shots pretty much so as an off ball player it, it was a little bit of a problem it really did kind of create a, a bit of a slog for seattle but i think you know i don't think her jump shot looks so broken that she's always going to be this you know just kind of leave her alone and forget she's out there when she doesn't have the ball what, what do you think
1: uh, I agree with you to an extent. Uh, when she back when I was, I watched her in college at, at UCLA. And when she first got on the scene, it was kind of the same story, where it's like, okay, this is obviously a, a very explosive and a very uh, dynamic point guard, but the jumper's not there. So it's like, well, if she's not out in transition, she's kind of hurting you. But she did kind of improve her jump shot during her time there. She's, I don't think she's ever going to be like an elite jump shooter or maybe even a, an above average one. But you're exactly right. If, if no one's guarding you in the half court, then that kind of, and you're kind of hurting them no matter what you're doing. So, um, you know, we actually had a question submitted. Uh, usually, like we usually do like a Q&A afterwards, after we're done with our, our spiel, but this kind of fits into what we're talking about. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to address this now. Um, Shay, WM with Shay. Hi, Shay. She uh, hey, Shay. she asks, what is Canada's ceiling in the league? And I think that's a really good question because maybe as, if you look at it, if, if I look at Jordan Canada as a player, I think of, uh, maybe, who I hoped Brittany Boyd would be, and that is a point guard who is who takes no possessions off when defending the basketball, she will create havoc in the half court defensively, and she just totally gives you another dimension to what you can do on, on both ends of the floor when you bring her off the bench um, but you know within a scheme within an offensive scheme i 'm not so i 'm still not sold because we mentioned it if you're not if you're not guarding her she's not really hurting you in any way i don't know if is 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 that fair is that unfair what do you think
0: i mean everything you're saying is fair and you know i think and there were some quotes by gary Kloppenberg recently that have maybe sort of like backpedal on this stance a little bit but you know a couple of, as of a couple of days ago i was thinking you know jordan canada might be a defensive player of the year candidate she's just that much of a force out there and now it's looking more and more like she will definitely be playing a bench role, which is to be expected when you're competing with Sue Bird for for minutes. But, um, you know, I I did think kind of coming to this, that maybe there was a reality where like the old vet Sue Bird would come off the bench and Jordan Canada would, you know, be given the reins as, as the starting point guard, but maybe that's just not realistic. And, but in terms of like her ceiling long-term, I think she can be an above average starting point guard. You know, I don't think she is going to be like a, a superstar by any means. Um, if she was like the fourth or fifth best point guard in the league at some point, you know, I, I think I might have a hard time seeing her get any higher than that, but um, you know, it's definitely possible with, with all the tools she has, you know, it, it's not that much of a leap to, to kind of see the path, but you know, there are some serious steps needed to, to get there, but you know, she's going to, once she's kind of given Starting reigns, whenever that may be, she's gonna perpetually be like an all defense team, obviously. Like and you know, we talked about some of the other gifts, finishing around the basket. She's a good passer. You know, I don't I don't think she's like an amazing passer, and I don't think she has like obviously like the floor game that like Sue Bird has just in terms of playing the defense over the course of like a 40 minute game, um, you know, kind of setting up her next move, like possession and possession beforehand. So, you know, if you told me in five years that she was gonna be a star, I you know i i wouldn't be outraged or uh, in disbelief but i think the more likely outcome is you know an above average starter what do you think about that
1: yeah i think that's 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 fairly likely uh you mentioned gary Kloppenberg. who is uh, she? he is by the way um going to be the interim head coach for the seattle storm uh dan Hughes, after he uh beat cancer last season he he came back which was amazing but he's taking the season off so that's totally understandable we definitely support him with that um but gary Kloppenberg, he said uh recently he does plan on playing Sue Bird and Jordan Canada together a decent amount. Um, not really sure what that means. I know back in the day uh, the, the Storm played Sue Bird and Tanisha Wright together a, a decent amount, but Tanisha Wright was more of a, a defensive-oriented player who didn't really have much of a like an outside shot. But she was also a player who could defend the two and the three. I don't know if Jordan Canada is more of like a like a point of attack defender. So I'm not sure how that's going to turn out. What do you think about that? Because like Sue Bird, I mean, yeah, who Sue Bird is back, but she's probably this, I don't want to speculate on this being her last year or whatever, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see her either taking games off or to have her minutes greatly reduced.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's already the oldest player in the league. You know, she was the oldest player in the league when we saw her last in 2018, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I I would imagine the majority of their two backcourt spots will alternate, you know, between bird Lloyd and Canada. Um, Oh, and Whitcomb, too. I don't really see Epiphany Prince playing into the equation too much. But, you know, I don't. I think Jordan Canada gives you enough. You know, she, she's definitely undersized, but I think she can guard twos. And, you know, just with kind of the league makeup, you know, I don't think there are so many teams that are just going to, you know, not have a place to hide Sue Bird where you wouldn't be able to play both of these players together. That's fair. At least That's a fair. decent amount. Sure. Okay.
1: All right, now uh, you said you wanted to talk about uh, Mercedes Russell as well. This, of course, another player who, with the absence of Brianna Stewart, was kind of, kind of handed a, a much larger role, and uh, I think she performed pretty well, all things considered.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought she was really good last year. She is, you know, solid offensive player, solid defensive player. Like, she doesn't have, like, kind of the amazing block rate that, that you might want out of a starting center, but I think she does a really good job, like, challenging vertically um and and just contesting even if she's not getting a hand on the ball offensively you know she just kind of played a role right she was 96th percentile as a, a roller last season albeit on pretty low volume um but she's just a really good screener not only on the ball in those pick and rolls but off the ball as well you know i think she's a heady screener and an effective screener in terms of like making sure she gets her body on the defender you know almost every time she's setting the screen and one other thing that i liked about her game kind of watching her. Uh, last season was you know it seems like every time she set a screen on ball like she dove to the rim every single time like she wasn't just kind of standing there you know knowing she wasn't getting the ball so saying why bother you know she always made the defense like have to pay attention to her diving even if you know she kind of knew she wasn't getting the the ball and you know obviously very paint bound offensively like she's obviously not the offensive player that either of the other two front court players are when healthy Natasha Howard or Brianna Stewart and she's probably not the defender that Brianna Stewart is either, you know, never mind the reigning defensive player of the year, but she's a nice third big. And, you know, this is something that we can kind of um, get into uh, in a second, you know, whether you think her or Morgan Tuck should play kind of that first big off the bench role, but, you know, she took 60% of her shots around the rim last season finished 61% of those did try to mix in some mid range jump shots. Occasionally, I think she should probably just take those out of her game. Not super encouraged by that shot. Uh, you know, kind of has a little bit of a funky release, but she really just kind of played within herself most of the time. W- what did you kind of think of her season overall, and, and her, I guess, place in the rotation now that they have brought in Morgan Tuck?
1: You said it. You said she she played within herself, and I think that's exactly right. Uh, when I looked at Mercedes Russell a couple years ago as a WNBA prospect, I wasn't, I wasn't convinced because she she just seemed kind of just kind of stiff. Uh, you know, not, doesn't really move that, that well. She doesn't block as many shots as you think a player of her size should, but I I think she definitely held her own last season because she was just so good at playing big. You know, you have it in your notes here. She's very good at maintaining verticality. She's a great screener, you know, which is obviously you want someone of her size to be a great screener. She does that. She dives to the hoop every single time she sets a screen. So, you don't need her to be a star. And I feel like she does have, she does have a pretty soft touch in the post. I I feel like for a player of her size, she does have a nice touch. Um, I think she's somewhat limited in what she can do defensively. Obviously, like you said, she's no Brianna Stewart on that end of the floor either. Um, and that, that probably did contribute to their feast or famine style of defense, but I wouldn't mind having her come off the bench first. She does bring a completely different game than Morgan Tuck though, does though. So, I'd assume it has to be matchup based, right? If you're going up against a bigger team, you probably want Mercedes Russell. But if there's someone like who runs a smaller front court, then I think her effectiveness would be somewhat limited.
0: And one thing I just kind of wanted to say about Mercedes Russell, you know, you had mentioned that she kind of looks like a stiff out there. I feel like she, you know, this is a little bit insulting and I don't mean it that way, but like she she looks more like a stiff athletically than I think she actually is. You know, she's not like Tiara McCowan out there, like just getting completely blown by anytime she's in the pick and roll. Like she can, she's a very good positional defender and she can move laterally like, okay, at least. Uh, You know, she's she's not amazing there, but I don't think she's like this player who just athletically like cannot compete in the WNBA. And in terms of Morgan Tuck, like I think theoretically like Morgan Tuck fits kind of their their beautiful game approach of 2018 a little bit better than Mercedes Russell. But I just think Russell's a better player. Like, play her more because she's better. You're going to have more effective results. Like, yes, Morgan Tuck can. She brings a lot more versatility. You know, she can, in theory, play some small forwards. She can play some, you know, small ball five, as we saw in the playoffs last season. Um, but I just think Russell's better, even with, you know, less of a pedigree to kind of show for it
1: well less of a pedigree yeah and you know this is this is this is actually asked by two people um Shay also asked what Morgan Morgan Tuck's role on the team will be and Tanya Olick at Tolock also asked uh where could they use Morgan Tuck um I really liked Morgan Tuck as a WMA prospect and I've been somewhat disappointed with her those far because i feel like every year i say like oh this is a perfect opportunity especially last season with connecticut you know when uh shanae got traded i thought okay this is gonna be morgan tucks here to break out you know they've got that front of court spot open for her uh this is her this is her opportunity and then by the end by the end of the season you have Alyssa thomas playing the entire game at the forest i was like well <laughs> that didn't really that didn't really work out you, you can you, you said it perfectly in theory morgan tuck fits with what they want to do right but she just hasn't had that breakout season where she really establishes herself as doing any one thing well enough to keep her on the court. You know, I, I feel like she's, I don't know if it's her knees. Cause she, she has a history of knee, knee problems or you know, like her, her time as like a stretch 4 hasn't been, hasn't been great. You said she can't play the four and the three. That's, that's true. But at what, at, where is she giving you like a significant advantage, I guess, probably off the bench, you know, maybe stretching out bigger lineups. I'm not, I'm not completely sold. I I don't know about you.
0: No, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I'm not sure that, I mean, she's, she's just like a, a slightly below average WNBA player. Like that doesn't mean she's bad or she's useless or, or anything like that. Like she deserves to play in the league for sure. But like, you're not creating an advantage most of the time by having her out there on the floor. And, you know, she's not punishing smaller players so well that, You know, you kind of command that mismatch, um, and her floor spacing isn't so credible where you know she's really stretching out bigs. Yeah, exactly. um, You know, I think she should be the fourth big on this team. You you mentioned uh, that it should be maybe more matchup based. You know, I, I guess so, but you know, in most situations, unless Russell's like really getting played off the floor, I think I would just go with her as the the first big off the bench. And I think I'm just a little bit less excited about. The Morgan Tuck acquisition than than maybe some other people were when it happened.
1: I think that's totally fair. I mean, she hasn't really given us much to be excited about thus far, right?
0: And that being said, you know, would still love her on Connecticut over Teresa plays or Brian Jones <laughs> or, or anything like that. So, you know, it it's just I I'm a little bit higher, I guess, maybe on Russell as like a third big than I am Morgan Tuck for for this team. Fair
1: enough. Okay. So there there's there's one player uh we have yet to get to here, so let's just dive into it. Um Alicia Clark, you have her in the notes as the perfect complimentary player. I could not agree more. <laughs> she is the 3 and D player in the WNBA. I, I just love her story. Um, this is an obligatory mention every time we talk about Alicia Clark, but she, she was a pure post player at Middle Tennessee. And if you look at her now, you wouldn't have guessed it. Other than the times when they try to put small players on her and she just totally takes advantage of them.
0: Yeah, that, that's wild to think about that, you know, the three-point, Element is like a newer part of her game because you know she's pretty deadly out there. A very, very reliable three-point shooter and one that understands spacing and angles. You know, she's not one of these three and D players who's just gonna kind of chuck it every time she touches the ball because she's not that involved in the offense otherwise. Like she routinely turns a good shot for herself into a great shot from someone else by making that extra pass. Right. She can give you a little bit of passing in the pick and roll as well. You know, she's got that good pocket pass to, to a rolling big and defensively like she's very versatile she will oftentimes guard the other team's best perimeter player whether that player is a point guard a shooting guard a small forward it doesn't really matter she can guard fours okay you know she might get put in the goal by you know some of the more dominant fours out there but you know she's every team is going to be better with Alicia Clark in the lineup like she's a great she's a star in her role you know what I mean like she's not a star player but she's a star in what she does.
1: I just, one thing about Alicia Clark, you said it, like she turns a good shot for herself and into a great shot for others. So like, she, like the basketball IQ it, for me is just mind blowing. Like, I think she's one of the smartest players in the league. Her shot chart is routinely one of the most beautiful shot charts in the league. And it's not, and you also said like, she's not someone who's just going to sit in the corner on offense and, and, and wait for the ball, right? She can do plenty of the little things like screening, um, going into the post against mismatches catching the basketball and then maybe attacking a closeout and and, and passing it for a better shot. I mean, there is, you said it, she's a star in her role. Seattle is, I don't know who to credit for this if, if, if it's just Alicia herself or the Seattle coaching staff. But like I said, this is a tremendous story. As far as, you know, player development is concerned. It seems like she just gets better at it every season. If there's only one knock on her, I think it's just like, she's not, that big where she's going to be guarding too many fours in this league, but that's just total nitpicking. I mean, you, you look at this, what this team brings, if you, if you start Sue Bird, Jewel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart and Natasha Howard, is there like a better fifth player for them than Alicia Clark?
0: No, there's not flat out.
1: Yeah. We love Alicia Clark. Pretty much everyone loves Alicia Clark. I feel like uh, great story. Great player. Um, we should all watch more Alicia Clark in our lives.
0: So, I guess we can kind of tie this into what we expect from them as overall, you know, next season, strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that. But like, what are you, what are you expecting from their two returning veterans uh, coming back from injury?
1: Um, Honestly, I'm expecting big things from Brianna Stewart. Uh, Obviously her, her Achilles injury um, was very unfortunate, very freak incident and a, a tough injury to come back from. Very tough, but she's had i think plenty of time to come back from that if there is a silver lining for this league starting a couple of months later than it should have it is that it gave players who sat out last season more time to come back and more time to recover more time to rehab um and she's still at an age where like hey you can you can probably come back from this where whereas someone like you know if sue bird suffered a, a a bad injury you know knock on wood but she might be less likely to come back from that i think brandy Stewart's gonna be fine honestly I'm expecting big things from her. Sue Bird, I think we're going to start seeing kind of taper off a little bit. Maybe if not, you know, for her being out of shape or whatever, but just because the Storm are going to be more cautious with her and they do have a player in Jordan, Canada, who can kind of give them some different things. So I think they'll be okay. I, th- I think they'll be fine. It, it, probably not realistic to expect them to be at 2018 capacity right away. But at the same time, like, who is going to be at 2018 capacity given the whole situation, you know?
0: Yeah, I think I'm maybe a little bit more cautious in terms of my expectations for Brianna Stewart this year. You know, Achilles are just tough, man. Like, she is definitely, you know, better at this age than than a few years from now, to be sure, but that's that's a really tough injury to come back from. Um, but, you know, if she is healthy, uh, I think her, Brianna Stewart and Natasha Howard are the best big combination in the league.
1: Like, I agree.
0: you know, no disrespect to uh, Asia and Liz or or NECA and and CP, but, you know, their complementary skill set, what they each bring to the the table in terms of scoring from the inside, scoring from the outside, both being, you know, very, very effective defenders. Brianna Stewart obviously was the best offensive player in the league last time we saw her. So, you know, I I hope she, his, you know, Brianna Stewart, I have, I guess, cautious optimism. Sue Bird, you know, kind of agree with you. I mean, is there any chance we get to the end of the season and, and Jordan Cannon is like, finishing games at point guard with with Sue Bird, you know, being a, a coach slash player on the bench. Um well let, let me ask it this way, because we've kind of framed it this way in the past. Like if that's the case, are they in trouble or is it just a you know, maybe Jordan Canada took a leap?
1: Well that'd have to be a heck of a leap for Jordan Canada, I think. Uh like it's while I well I think it would be it would be cool to see Jordan Canada kind of come into her own with Sue Bird also active on the team. I think Bird just brings too much too much experience and and, and too much late game max. I mean maybe like if Seattle is like so much better than everyone else and Subert can afford to take like a like the end of the game off or whatever. Um but if Jordan Canada is like consistently closing games over Superbird, um either Subert is not healthy or Jordan Canada I I, I don't see her taking that that big of a leave, do you? Um what, what what scenario would would you what would you envision this as being? I guess you know Suber just being
0: you know a thirty-nine-year-old WNBA player coming off an injury, you know. Uh, so I if if that's the case, I don't think if like if you're telling me right now like Jordan Canada is still going to be the starting player, like the starting point guard to finish games at the end of the season, like I don't think that would be a cause for me to say, like, well, the Storm are probably in trouble then, you know, okay. because I I think they are good enough pretty much everywhere else as long as like Sue Bird is still like a contributor, you know, and maybe just. Canada turns out to be you know whether Sue Bird just is has become like a defensive liability or, or who knows but I wouldn't kind of write that off like I wouldn't take that as well they're probably not a serious championship contender just kind of given you know what Canada brings defensively how they kind of want to play defensively and Sue Bird is like a very good help defender to be sure like even last time we saw her and stuff like that just you know maybe a little bit she, she would be the player that you're always kind of hiding on defense right uh-huh. but I don't know I mean is while we're kind of on the subject, talking about the the starting and closing lineup, like is there any chance that Canada overtakes like Jewel Lloyd as the starter, or not as the starter, but as like the finisher, you know, and they are closing those games with, with Bird in Canada and Jewel Lloyd, who, you know, had, is a little bit more of maybe a microwave player, you know, had definitely a, a down season last year. You know, what, what do you think about that?
1: I would say, I would say no, because I feel like maybe, maybe Jewel wasn't really I think Jewel's game really complements Brianna Stewart's very well because Brianna Stewart in kind of in the opposite way as, as one would expect because Brianna Stewart is a pretty good passer and Jewel Lloyd I feel like is a pretty effective cutter when Brianna Stewart is on the floor. I have no data to back this up whatsoever, so maybe I'm totally wrong. But Well, um, well let, me, let me
0: give you some data uh, because you, um, you know she went, Jewel Lloyd went from being in the 80th percentile overall as a pick and roll player to the 15th percentile last year and that's wow, okay. without brianna stewart who in 2018 was in the 100th percentile as a roller so you know you are 100 percent correct like those two players definitely complement each other very well and without brianna stewart you know jewel lloyd definitely noticed that
1: absence to be sure so sorry to jump in uh no, no 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 that's that's perfectly. please 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 do that whenever um and, and also because I feel like Jewel Lloyd still kind of gives you that bailout option in your backcourt. You know, is if something, I, I, I don't want this to be like my, my primary go-to because it's kind of a, you don't, you don't, you don't want to say, well, what happens if the shot clock breaks down? It's like, well, you have, you have Brianna Stewart and Subert on your team. You, you, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't ever happen. But like if your half court offense does break down you're like going in the shot clock, do you want Jordan Canada creating a shot for herself? Or do you want Jewel Lloyd creating a shot for herself? You know?
0: Yeah, you're right. And it, it, you know, it just moves everybody, you know, up or wrong. It it goes Alicia Clark, instead of being your fifth best offensive player is now your fourth best offensive player with like a a major offensive liability with with Jordan Canada. So, you know, I agree pretty much with with everything you said, I would kind of expect bird and Lloyd to, to be the starters, to be the, um, the closers, uh, in, in most situations, maybe Jordan Canada finishes some games here and there where, you know, they just need a different look or something like that. Do you have any expectations for what Epiphany Prince can give to this team?
1: At this point, not much um, because Epiphany Prince hasn't really played that much lately. Uh, I, I, you know, in her prime, she was an amazing player specifically one-on-one. Like she had one of the deadliest crossovers uh, you will ever see. Uh, I think for them, it's just, she was just kind of a, a veteran presence who can play both guard positions who is signed for depth reasons, you know, like, so for instance, if Sue Burton misses a game here and there, just because she's old, you know, Piff can come in and, and, and give you some spot minutes. I think Sammy Woodcomb is safely ahead of Prince on the depth chart, however, because like she does have the experience playing with this team. She was a pretty effective player last season, I feel like. And uh, as of right now, I think it's hard to see a, a consistent role for Prince, but we also have to keep in mind like Seattle is, is one of the few teams that, has not yet had any players opt out of the season. So that is an, that is an insurance. Like, like We still have a couple of weeks to go. So I don't know if if, if we're sitting on an announcement or something. Um, I, as of now, I'd say no. I, I'd say Prince is probably the 11th or 12th player on this roster. But I'd love to be proven wrong.
0: Yeah, and the player who will probably play ahead of her, Sammy Whitcomb, um, I think, as you mentioned, is a, is a pretty effective player. You know, I think she probably has a little bit more shooting gravity than her numbers would indicate, like just barely a tick under 35% as a career shooter, but you definitely want to guard her out there. You know, you yeah. want to get a hand up she can shoot it from anywhere. Like she's one of those uh, players who will bomb it from way behind the line. She'll, you know, something I, I talk about uh, extensively jump shot versatility, like she'll shoot it right off the screen. You know, she, She does not need a lot of room um, and she just shoots such an easy ball, such a quick release,
1: such a quick release.
0: Yeah. Um, It's, it's a joy to watch and, and, you know, obviously a much better fit, I think for, for the rest of this roster than Epiphany Prince, you know, no disrespect to um, a longtime veteran.
1: Now, one thing I did want to bring up here is that I, I believe uh, another Gary Klopper quote from recently is that he says the Storm have actually, actually more depth than they did in 2018. I I know you have to take, you know, quotes from, coaches uh <laughs> with a great assault, you know before the before the games begin but looking at their depth chart here I, I am pretty encouraged actually because you know we talk about Morgan Tucker Mercedes but they both have their flaws right but that's a pretty decent front court coming off your bench and they also bring in Ezie Magbiger who is um she was drafted last season 2019 draft um but native Australian she did not come over well she's coming over this season I feel like she's a pretty raw offensive player, but she also will give Seattle that, that youth and that athleticism, probably some offensive rebounding. And some very, some very efficient offensive play, at least as, as like a pick-and-roll player. Um, so I like, I like her fit, even though she might not play that much. Crystal Langhorne, I'm, I'm not really that high on anymore. Um, I, I think she's pretty much in the twilight of her career. But, but Seattle you know is what? a team that can go like eight or nine deep pretty effectively.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what I was just going to say about Crystal Langhorne, like in 2018, she was like the third big and now she's the fifth big. So, yeah, you know, in that way, you know, I think their front court deb- definitely brings with it more depth. You know, Courtney Paris is at the end of her career at that point. You know, I think the absence of Kalina Mesquita-Lewis will be noticeable, but, you know, not anything that Sammy Wickham couldn't provide. And, and obviously Jordan Cannon is, um, you know, two more seasons under her belt since then or, or one additional season, I guess. Uh, since then. So I, I guess I agree that they, that they have a little bit more depth, at least fun functional depth, because, you know, they have Russell instead of, you know, Langhorn as the primary option, they have Morgan Tuck, uh, you know, Muscata Lewis would be the one absence that you're looking at that, that might actually have some effect uh, on her, you know, missing, they don't really have a real backup three, you know, someone's going to be playing out of position as, as the backup three.
1: Well, but that—that's probably like that. That might have factored into the decision to acquire Morgan Tuck. I—I don't know. Um, but that's that's totally fine because if if you look at everywhere else on this on this team, they're 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 pretty deep. And just looking at the additions versus departures, um, like they they traded Musca- uh, Kalina Muscato Lewis to Connecticut. But I think you have a really good point in that there's not much she can do that Sammy Woodcomb can't also do. You know, Muscato Lewis obviously has more size, but it's not like she's. Using that size to be like a lockdown defender, right? Yeah, it's
0: not much of like functional size. Yeah,
1: and then like they let Shavante Zellis go in free agency, probably the right move. Courtney Paris retired, great career in the league, but again, like she didn't really fit their defensive system as far as you know a super aggressive and super switchy defense. I I, I just keep going back to this: like you're gonna have you're gonna be starting once again Brianna Stewart and, and Natasha Howard in the front court. You're gonna be able to do so much defensively with that, and then if you put Jordan Canada on the ball, geez.
0: Yeah. I mean, I expect them to be an elite defense, you know, even better than their their fourth ranking last year. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the offense is going to be night and day, hopefully from, from what we saw in 2019 and, and more so 2018. Maybe, maybe not quite such the, the beautiful game, but I think floor spacing is definitely going to be a big strength for them. I think they're going to have the athletic advantage over most teams. They're going to be a great passing team, I think. You know, they have a lot of versatility, can can throw a lot of different looks at you. We talked about the difference between like Morgan Tuck and Mercedes Russell. You know, Sue Bird and Jordan Canada obviously bring with them very different games. You know, they can really space out the floor and and throw Sammy Wickham and, and Jewel Lloyd together. Like they can just pretty much do anything, play Alicia Clark at the four. So there's a lot of different looks this team could throw at you. Uh, we mentioned their depth as well. And the, the pick and roll on this team is just going to be deadly, you know, between oh, yeah. Howard and, and Stewart as bigs. Um, Are there any other like strengths that you think this team is going to bring to the table that I didn't hit on and anything that kind of concerns you from a a vulnerability standpoint?
1: Uh, Strengths, I think you pretty much hit on all of it. Um, Weaknesses, honestly, I think we've we've kind of mentioned this already too, at least a little bit. Uh, Health, you know, I I totally understand your cautious optimism regarding Stewart and Bird for that matter. And then uh, you have defending size, which I totally agree with as well. Although that might not be as much of an issue this season because you're not going to be dealing with Liz Cambage or John Cole Jones, yeah, which is you know two of the two of the top four centers in the league, right? Um, you have Reed, BG, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's. I don't think they have an answer for Brittany Griner, but who does? All right.
0: Yeah, it was really the the one like player that I could think of that like this team is really going to have an issue stopping you know, on a play after play basis, you know, obviously there'll be others to be sure. You know, you just don't see the answer for a Brittany Griner on this roster and you know, that didn't stop him in 2018. Um, So I think we, we touched on it a little bit last week, but you know, from an overall kind of league standing standpoint, you know, what are you expecting from this team?
1: I'm expecting them to be at the top. I'm expecting them to be a top two team because well, for one, as I said, they, as of, as of recording, they do not have any people opting out. Um, they don't have any people that are projecting to miss the season. Um, and they're just getting so much back, right? Even if Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird aren't at full capacity, just the way they're going to open up the floor for everybody else on that team and, like, the they added depth, um, the, the the players who are, who are who are coming in, adding more, or bringing more to the Seattle scheme. So, like, for example, Ezi Magliger versus – versus Courtney Paris, right, defensively, or um, something along those lines. I And just based on what all the other teams have lost so far, Aces lost a lot, Sparks lost a lot, Mystics, I mean, like, that's not even a question anymore, right? So who is going to be competing with this team? Maybe LA, maybe LA a little bit still, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, LA was definitely a formidable opponent last season, and of course won't have Tolliver. Um, But it looks like they're going to have just about everybody else. And, you know, I think at the time we're recording this, you know, full disclosure, I think there are some questions on whether Natasha Howard is going to show up. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if she does and if Stewart and Bird are the players we think they're going to be, like there's no reason this team should not be, you know, atop any, you know, power rankings or or consideration for winning uh, the WNBA championship uh, this season. So Um, go ahead.
1: Well, Tanya Olick also asks, how will they replace Natasha Howard if she is still MIA?
0: Well, they won't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, you know, Mercedes Russell will, I'm sure, get the start there, and they will look, I guess, somewhat similar to what they looked like last year. Probably a little bit better floor spacing, because, you know, Brianna Stewart is just a, a better floor spacer than Natasha Howard. But I think, you know, may- maybe this is unfair, but kind of without putting too much thought into it, uh, without Natasha Howard, I- I'm not sure if they're still a title contender do you think they would be
1: it definitely hurts her chances a lot especially defensively because i mean we've already gushed over her defense enough i feel like but uh, it just changes it, putting giving like mercedes russell and krista langhorn maybe all of natasha howard's minutes you're sacrificing so much defensively and you're taking away so much of what you want to do defensively particularly in the pick and roll and, and defending the rim. So, like, it's just a, it would just be a huge handicap for them on that end of the floor. Offensively, like, you, you could probably live with it just because Brianna Stewart is so good. But, yeah, defensively, it would just take away so much of that scheme.
0: Yeah, and just, like, as, like, a, a help defender kind of creating havoc, you know, coming over um, in help situations and, you know, forcing arid passes or, you know, blocking shots, of course, um, just creating turnovers. You know, Natasha Howard, her her block – and steel rate combined last year was, it was pretty unparalleled to anybody else in the league. So yeah, I mean, there's no replacing that. Like if she doesn't show up, they're not going to replace her. They're, they're going to play probably a completely different way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We have a couple more questions here. Uh, I think these are a little more straightforward, uh, at all out women asks Stewie's case for MVP. And I'm going to say, <laughs> I don't want to make any, I think we're going to do like a, like an awards prediction show in the coming days. But right now, I mean, I she would not be my first choice just because there are so many players who are set to have enormous seasons. Like, for example, Asia Wilson. Like, if she's the go-to player for the Aces now, she's going to put up monster numbers.
0: Yeah, well, I guess we will talk about this a little bit more, but, like, I would probably have Stewart over Wilson because, like, their team's just going to be better. Like, okay, their, right. their numbers will probably be comparable and, like, you don't usually get an MVP for being, like, the fifth seed or something like that. And, you know, I just... I don't think Vegas is going to have a ton of team success and, you know, I think Seattle will, but with all that being said, like Stewart wouldn't be my odds on pick just because I I am a little bit more cautious about what to expect from her from a health standpoint. But I mean, her case for MVP is going to look a lot like her case for MVP two seasons ago. Like she's the best or second best player in the league. Um, The best or second best player offensively in the league, you know, Elena Deladon not playing this season. So um, she will be the, the premier offensive player to be sure. So, I mean, her, her case makes itself really.
1: Well, I, I think we both like Brittany Griner for MVP right now. Um, uh, Although I, I do hesitate because I've picked her for like the past three years and, and it never works out for me. So maybe I'm a little, I'm a little uh, scared, but I think Stewie is, is, is going to be up there for, for MVP. Um, so much of that award is, is, you know, just based on narrative, but if she comes back and she's healthy and she's the dominant player, she was in 2018. I mean, I, I could see it. I could see yeah, it. Yeah, sure.
0: I definitely wouldn't rule it out. That's for sure.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, last couple of questions we have here. A uh, very, very special user, W.L. uh, who designed the logo for the show, by the way. So if you go to us on Twitter at Double Down WNBA, if you see a very nice uh, orange professional logo. He did it. He's very prolific in creating uh, WNBA wallpapers. Um, you can commission him to do cool artistic stuff for you. So hit him up. Uh, his first question is, can we give Ezzy Magminger the rookie of the year award already, or do we need to wait? Um, I would wait. I, I would wait. Um, there are going to be some rookies out there with some pretty high volume, particularly in Atlanta and New York. Um, but you know, you never know with this climate, if, if Ezzie comes in and, and starts and averages 30 minutes a game, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, his, his second question. I mean, I think question. the question's
0: a little tongue in cheek, but like, do you expect Ezi to contribute? Like, do you think she's going to play real minutes on this team?
1: No, not right away. Yeah, not right away. Because they, they invested a lot in Morgan Talk. Mercedes Russell played well for them last year. Ezi's going to be like their fifth big at best. You know, I, I don't know what, what's, what's the path of her getting a lot of minutes besides injury or opt out.
0: Yeah, I guess just, you know, really balling out at
1: camp. I don't yeah, know. And she's young. She's still really young. And being an international player, it's. They, sometimes they have kind of uh sometimes they have to climb a few more mountains, if you will, in this league, so uh we'll see I, I am high in her potential, and I do like her fit on this team in the long term, but this is like this is such a volatile situation I, I think like if if you do have a healthy Brianna Stewart and a healthy Natasha Howard, and then you 're bringing Morgan Tuck off the bench that's i wouldn 't mess with that lineup, you know
0: yeah, this would be asiz's age twenty season
1: yeah, okay, so. And then his, uh, his second question is, uh, what's the impact of Alicia traveling with Sly into the bubble? Uh, Sly is Alicia Clark's dog, I believe. Um, I love dogs. I, I don't know if you can dogs quantify this. What, what do you think?
0: I love dogs. Dogs are good.
1: I dogs have cats, are the but best. dogs are good too. Dogs. Are, oh, well, okay. That We might differ on that, but that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's for another day. Okay. So thank you everybody for the questions. We love the engagement. Um, as always, if you want to hit us up at at Double WNBA, um, submit some questions. One of us will get to it eventually. Uh, Steven, anything else you wanted to talk about with the Seattle Storm?
0: No. Oh, maybe I will ask you a question. Oh, okay. Um, What did you think about my poll on Twitter on who you thought was a better team, the 2018 Seattle Storm or the 2019 Washington Mystics? Well, first of all, who won? (laughs) Uh, The Seattle Storm won, surprisingly. I thought people were going to vote for the Mystics.
1: Oh, that that is interesting because I would think, like, recency bias has – Would would kind of affect? What was the percent? Like, how close was it?
0: It was pretty close. I think it was like, uh, like fifty six
1: forty four or something like that. Huh. Okay. Well, I mean, think about the Washington Mystics. That was a that was an unbelievably good offensive performance. Um, and like defensively, they were good enough. But the twenty eighteen Storm, I mean, that team was dominant on both ends of the floor. Uh, they weren't dominant on offense to the end that Washington was though. So it's like. Like, okay, so if you're matching them up, like, directly, I feel like the Seattle team matches up pretty favorably with that Washington team because – I agree. They're so – like, Brianna Stewart and Natasha Howard, what what front court would you want going up against Elena Deladon and and Emma Mieseman? Like, that's – it's a perfect matchup for them. Well, if if there is a perfect matchup.
0: And one other thing I say is that unlike so many other teams – when Washington would go to that three big lineup, I don't think Seattle would really have to change what they do. Like, I think, I don't think Latoya Sanders is such a dominant center where Alicia Clark, you know, is really going to get punished all that much for that assumed matchup. Um, right. You know, I think Washington last year had a ton more depth. Like anybody they were playing was a more high level contributor than 2018 Crystal Langhorn, you know, no disrespect intended and, you know, rookie Jordan Canada as well. But I think Seattle that, that starting five was so good. They played such, beautiful basketball. Like you said, they were dominant on both ends, not just hyper dominant on one end and, you know, just kind of good enough on, on the other end. So Seattle would get my vote.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I think I agree. <laughs> I think I agree. I, I can't, I can't cut out the 2019 Washington Mystics because that was just an incredible offensive team, but Seattle on both ends of the floor, really, really, really good. Okay. So uh, anything else, anything else? No, I think we're good. Okay. I think we're good. I agree. Um, so as always, you can find us on uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, you can find us on, on Google Podcast Manager, you can find us on Twitter at Double Down WNBA or our personal accounts for whatever reason at Trinkwald or at Nemchak E. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for engaging. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, hang in there, folks. We've almost got basketball. Just a couple more weeks. Hopefully, we get to see this te- the Seattle team play. Stephen, thank you so much, and uh, looking forward to next time. Thanks, man. Talk to you next week.